0: Welcome to Our Way Rules podcast. I'm your host, Aliza, and I have to be honest, this podcast was born out of a selfish interest to learn more from other women about how they ended up where they are today, both personally and professionally. At Our Way Rules, we believe that when women share their stories about their own success, loud and proud, other women will have the opportunity to tap into that power and uplevel their own life and career. That's why each week you can expect to hear from different women across different stages of their life and career, from different industries and different backgrounds, all with the purpose of bringing a little inspiration, light and energy to your life. Because today, we as women are living our lives larger than we ever have before in every way possible. We no longer want to follow the rules that were laid out for us in the past. We wanna live our lives and chase our dreams our way. And let's be honest, our way rules hello everyone and welcome back to our way rules podcast i'm Eliza, your host and today i am so excited to have my friend katie here katie and i actually go back way back to college it's hard to believe how long ago it was at this point honestly um we were mutual friends with a bunch of people and just had been, you know We were never like super, super close, but we definitely had a lot of mutual friends in common, and it's been so fun, Katie, to watch you just grow over the last few years since graduating and to see your journey, and I'm so glad that we've been able to reconnect. And before we get into it, I want to give everyone who's listening a quick background on Katie. So Katie is a learner, teacher, problem solver, networker, and entrepreneur. She started her career teaching math as a Teach for America Corps member. After seeing the inequities in education, she became passionate about teaching students and adults real world skills necessary for the workforce. She works at Pearson and then General Assembly where she run educational programs with Fortune 500 companies, including Booz Allen, Bloomberg, Capital One, the Department of Defense, and Disney to upskill and reskill their teams. With the desire to learn more parts of the talent puzzle, she went on to deep dive to the ins and outs of recruiting at an executive search firm. Seeing a need to help companies in a 360 fashion, Katie founded Hire People to help leaders recruit, retain, and rescale their teams. So Katie, welcome. I'm so happy to have you.
1: Thank you. I feel like whenever you talk about bios, right, it's like always so funny to hear your story (laughs) back to you, but... Yeah, it's so, so fun to be here. I'm excited to be
0: here. Yeah, same. And like I was just saying in the intro, and yes, I know that they're like awkward, but I think that it's so, it is so cool to just like see how far you've come and like what you've been up to over the last few years since graduating. I keep saying few years, but it's been over 10 years since we graduated, which is wild. It's been Um, a while.
1: We're old now. Yeah, (laughs) we we grew up all of a sudden.
0: Exactly. I know, right. It's like we're adults now. Um, and the reason why I'm so excited to talk to you Katie is because um, like I say, you know the reason why I started this podcast really is because I've been doing some career coaching on the side but honestly more more like selfishly honestly I just am going through the job search myself and am talking to a whole bunch of women who I've just been sort of like following for a long time and I'm really inspired by and so I'm really excited to just like dive into your story and, Before we get into like what you're up to today, I think it would be really awesome if you could just share like the quick sort of like backstory on your childhood, where you came from, and maybe a little bit Of, like, what inspired this path for you?
1: Yeah. um, So, from Los Angeles, born and bred, uh, actually just lived in Austin for the last seven years and just moved back. Um, But yeah, you know, it's funny, education is definitely kind of the constant thread in my entire life. And that actually starts when I was pretty young. Um, So, I went to elementary school in downtown LA, it was a low income school, it was a performing arts magnet. And uh, in the third grade, myself and 20 other kids were given a full scholarship to college, um, which was wild. It was from United wow. Airlines, and they picked one class. Wow. I actually wasn't in the class, but yeah, it's a crazy story, but like, yeah, And so I knew since third grade that I was going to college that it was paid for. And that had a humongous impact on my life. Um, they also like did a ton of stuff to like, gear us up and get us tutoring and and all of that different stuff. And it was very clear to me seeing, you know, students that were in my class and students that were not kind of what the self-fulfilling prophecy could do and what education can do and what preparation can do. And so as, you know, as I went through school, I was definitely a straight A student. I was, I was good at school. Um, I did, I did like to have fun as well, but, you know, always was a good student. And I think so much of that was because I was, told at a young age that that was going to be my journey. And I was, I was really set up for success. And so when I graduated from college, um, that's why I did Teach for America. I taught in Washington, DC, taught uh, 10th grade geometry and just realized again, just, you know, our school systems are, are pretty unjust and not great. And when we think about how do we prepare students for the workforce, you know, I was sitting there being like, are my students going to actually use these skills or are there things that we could do differently? And so that's how I got more into the workforce development space um, and at General Assembly. And since then, I've been really passionate about how do we train and equip people for you know jobs of today and um, and how do we help companies find really great talent as well
0: that's awesome um what an interesting scholarship opportunity from the third grade i i you had touched on it a little bit but i'm i'm curious to hear a little bit more about like like what actually do you feel like changed in your brain chemistry that when when you had that opportunity yeah
1: i mean so i think you know for me i was again i was always like a driven smart kid that was like do that did well in school so i think like My journey probably would have, you know, in in a lot of ways ended up in a similar fashion. But I think it was just, like, the resources that were available at my fingertips and, um, and this belief that we could go on to any college, right? Like, starting in the third grade, we were told if you get into Harvard, it's paid for. If you get into NYU, it's paid for. So, like, your kind of your limiting beliefs were, like, so much less. And it was, like, very clear that, like anything that we could like set our mind to, we could, we could achieve and that it would be paid for. And it was going to be there for us. So that mindset, I feel like has always been true for me. Um, My parents were, are, are very supportive. And I feel really, really lucky that like, as a young kid, you know, when we would talk about my story or what I was doing, it was always about like my intellect and my ability. You know, they definitely talked about being, being pretty and that kind of stuff too. But I feel like, it was very much focused on like my skill sets and how I could like change the world and how I could go do anything. Um, Also random story. I I have this like really weird talent where I could speak backwards. And so like as a very young kid um, I was on like TV shows and on the radio as like this like smart, you know, little kid that had this really weird talent. But I was, I was always kind of put in that bucket of like, this kid is going to be successful. And there was like, no, nobody thought anything different. And I just, I, I feel really lucky that I don't have the same story as a lot of women. And that like, the focus was on my looks or the focus was on, you know, like limiting beliefs. It was very much like, if you want to be the president, if you want to be a neurosurgeon, if you want to go to Harvard, like, that's available to you. And, you know, this organization is actually going to pay for you to go do it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I think that when you, when you talk about limiting beliefs, it's something that I feel like comes up a lot right now. It's like, there's so much talk and focus and and energy that's going towards mindset and shifting your mindset. And it sounds like, you know, and, and a lot of people I feel like have to learn that at a later point in time, like even myself, it's, you know, over the last year, really, I've been doing a lot of work on like getting rid of limiting beliefs or like training my thoughts to have positive thoughts and to focus on the positive. And it sounds to me like for you, that's something that maybe was a little bit more of like um, almost has, has been a bigger part of your life for much longer than the majority of people. So I guess I'm curious to hear like from that perspective, what if somebody is like struggling with having limiting beliefs or like is, is having the, like telling themselves a story of how they can't do something or they can't achieve something. Like what, what are some, what's some advice or like some tips that you might share for somebody to be able to overcome that, to be able to have that mentality of like, oh wow, I really can go out and do anything.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I definitely still get imposter syndrome. I get it all the time. I, I think like maybe the difference for me or like being, being young and being like taught over and over again was like, I always, yeah, I always could imagine and have a vision for where I wanted to go. Um, and even today, right? Like as I think about higher people, I have a five-year plan. I have a three-year plan. I have a picture in my brain. And so like when I get really bogged down by the finances or the budgeting or like the things that like I'm not good at, I don't really have experience in, I get I get overwhelmed and I get freaked out that like, do I actually know what I'm doing or do I not I think being able to tap back into like why I'm doing this and like where I want to go and the success I've had to date is what I, what I try to do. Again, I, I still get down on myself too, but like this was our first year fully in business and we made over a million dollars and like being able to kind of tap back into like, wow, like I hit that milestone. So if I can hit that milestone, I can hit the next one. And how do I like chunk it? And like, knowing that I have a big picture plan and I can imagine it and I can see it and I can, you know, I, I don't know if that, that helps me. I think like the imagery and the vision often is what I have to like tap back into when I'm like feeling really tired and feeling really overwhelmed because the reality is, is it's hard. Like it is hard. And I stress myself out all the time. And I definitely get down on myself when I don't hit every single milestone. Cause you don't, but I think it's just being able to like get back up and yeah. And then I'd say the other thing is having a really good support system. Like I, uh, I complain a lot to my, my fiance and talk about all the challenges and I have a really great our kind of operations. She's just phenomenal. And so when I'm hitting a wall, I think I can turn to her and be like, okay, how can we think about this differently? Or what are we doing? Um, and I feel really grateful that like, I think a skill that I, I definitely have built up over time is like figuring out who are the right people that you need in your corner and the right people in the room and how they counterbalance you so that like if I need to take a mental health day or I'm not able to figure it out I have two people who have very different skill sets than I have like Steven is more detail oriented so is Alex like she's also more analytical I can kind of go back to them and say okay what am I doing? How can we think about this differently? Like, or like, Hey, I I just need, I need a day. Like, can, can you, can you take over for me? Which has been, been huge for me.
0: Yeah. That's so smart. And, and I think that you like, first of all, I'm like stuck on the million dollars. Like that is incredible. That is such a huge milestone. And you should be so proud of yourself because I feel like so many people like have, have big dreams and aspirations. And like, you're a perfect example of like putting your head down and doing the work and and, ha- and get it, get, get, getting to that success, which is just incredible. Um, I want to like start to dive into the details a little bit, especially now that you've sort of uh, given like a teaser into what you've been up to. So before we get into Hire People, can you talk a little bit more about like your experience with Teach for America and sort of like what happened before Hire People started?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So yeah, I did Teach for America. I taught in Washington, D.C., uh, was at one of the worst high schools in the country and and again, just like realized how broken our educational system really is. Um, and so then I went to Pearson, which is a really ginormous education company. and I, I feel like I got myself like a kind of a mini MBA by the different experiences I had because I worked I did I did teaching, which gave me like presentation skills and organization and like running a classroom and like a ton of different experiences. Then I went to a really big organization with Pearson um, and I was head of business development and their research to practice unit. And so I got to work with a bunch of different business units there, Um, but it was a really big org. So I got to see like, you know, the hierarchy and bureaucracy and like kind of what big organizations, you know, work, work like Um, Then I went to General Assembly and at GA, I was one of the first partnerships hires on the direct to consumer side. Um, and this was before General Assembly. GA is a, a training boot camp provider. So we taught uh, web development and data science and design. And when, when I first started there, we were just teaching people who wanted to change their careers. So it was all direct to consumer. And my job was to create relationships with companies to get them to hire a graduate. So it was indirectly recruiting without really realizing it. And then uh, we closed our first really big enterprise deal, which was a a $10 million deal with Booz Allen Hamilton. And that like totally opened up a new lane for us um, and was a huge part of what got us acquired by ADECO. So big experience. Then GA was like that scale up, like we've had product market fit and like we were putting gasoline on a fire and just like all hands on deck. And I was lucky enough to be... um, one of the the first enterprise delivery hires, so I was managing these humongous accounts. Um, and there I, I kind of had that big light bulb moment of like, oh, my God, like even at these big Fortune 500 companies, you know, like they don't necessarily have it all figured out when it comes to people. It tends to be pretty reactive and we tend to put HR and L&D and talent in its own like bucket to the side. It's like the ugly stepchild. Um, and I realized that organizations really need to take a more people-centered approach and have to think about how to, you know, make every single person on the team uh, responsible for their people, not just HR and L&D. It really should funnel up to VPs of sales and VPs of design and VPs of product management. And every organization has to put people first and be thinking that way rather than this kind of siloed community. Um, So yeah, then I I went into executive recruiting to learn more about how to hire well and hire fast because... At, you know, GA was essentially learning and development. So that was that upskilling, reskilling piece. Um, and then, yeah, in recruiting, people call you and they're like, we should have hired these roles six months ago. Can you help us fill these roles for us by tomorrow? And so again, the light bulb was going off of like, why are we not more strategic when it comes to our people? Like, I don't get it. Like, And so, yeah, I started to hire people to help companies recruit, reskill, and retain. and I did it on the side to start. I think that's, you know, it was important for me. It allowed me to build something that worked really well without a lot of the, like, freak out and panic of making money. Um, I truly started it as a side hustle and it started growing organically. And then, um, you know, as soon as I was really kind of ready to go full time, I was working as a head of sales and uh, they asked me to stay on longer. So I actually hired somebody full time before I went full time. Um, and then last February is when I quit my job and did it full time. And and now we have a team of six.
0: Wow. What an amazing story. I think it's, it's like, it's so often that you hear people starting their own businesses out of like their own problem that they're solving for themselves. And it's so, it's so cool to hear just like the backstory of how you had all of this exposure and experience to like these issues that the companies that you were working for had and then you were going out to directly solve those problems, which is just so smart and so awesome. I guess I'm curious to hear from you, like you, you mentioned that you had you were having these light bulb moments of like, how come companies aren't like doing this better and focusing more on their people? So I guess I'm curious to hear from you, like, how are you doing it differently? And like, what, what are you recommending to companies to be able to do better at, you know? hiring, onboarding, reskilling, upskilling their teams?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, um, again, so many of them are are thinking about it reactively, and they're thinking about it based on a business need, right? So often what happens is we have this new initiative, or we have to backfill, let's go fill this role. So the the first thing is really taking that 360 degree approach and saying, let's look internal, let's reflect and see what are we doing well, what are we not? um, And let's really kind of do the homework and the research to figure out What's making people happy? How are we defining career pathways? What roles are we going to have in the next two to three years? So AI is is huge right now. So how are we predicting roles of the future, and how are we kind of putting things in place within our organization to prepare people? Um, and 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 really, how are we thinking about being a talent friendly first organization? Right. So you talk a lot about like maternity leave and culture and all of those things, and and you know, I think a lot of those things came out of like people doing it poorly and saying like, oh, we got to fix this, but instead really kind of thinking about it strategically and having a game plan in place. And then again, um, putting the onus beyond just that that people org. Um, so we do a lot of training with hiring managers. We do trainings with hiring managers on how to think about diversity in the interview process. We do trainings on on, you know, psychological safety. And so, I think in the past, people put it as this separate business unit that had its own budget and own team and was kind of seen as like a group that like got cut if there's no funding. Um, But what we're really suggesting companies do is, is kind of have every team be responsible for it and working with those team leaders to, again, kind of reflect, look at the numbers, look at what's working, look at what's not. And make a plan around hiring, reskilling, retention—all in one—as you're doing your people planning.
0: Got it. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, and and before we get like, I, I think I also want want to take a step back really quickly. If you can give some um, like more detail, if if a company like comes across you or is looking for this kind of help, like what I guess what are the services that your team is even offering to start with?
1: Yeah. So in each bucket, we do different work. Um, Most of what we're doing today and a lot of, you know, in starting my company was focusing on like, what can we set up really well and really smart first before kind of building the next suite of products and next suite of service offerings. So within Recruit, that is where we're most robust, robust today. That's what we're mostly doing right now. So we do everything from writing job descriptions to coming up with diversity metrics and putting that in place in your org to building case studies to we have a full team of recruiters. So obviously if you have open roles and you don't have a people team or you have a really hard to fill role, that's what most people are still coming to us for today. Got it. Uh, We do also offer trainings again for, for hiring managers, right? So working with hiring managers to really help them think about hiring, upskilling, retention. And what we've started to tackle just in the last couple of months is a little bit more work in that retain category. And so what that looks like is we're doing some offsite planning. We're doing some kind of performance reviews and um, surveys to really figure out what's making teams happy, what's making them feel frustrated. Um, We're doing stay interviews for companies. And we're also really helping them think through their kind of career pathways and um, how to build kind of very specific hierarchies so people know what they need to do in order to advance in their career within the organization.
0: I think I like jumped way ahead and now I'm like working backwards because this brings up another question of like, for somebody who is out there who's like interested in starting their own business or doing their own thing, like what were when you came up with this idea, like. What were the first like 1 2 and 3 steps that you actually took? Like tangible things that you did to actually execute on your idea? Cuz I feel like a lot of people have ideas but don't actually know where to start.
1: Yeah, it's a good question again. That's where I think like chunking it was really important for me cuz I I'm a I can come up with like It's funny, Steven, my fiance, we saw that apparently this one country is like paying people for startup ideas and he was like, "You literally should just go there and just like churn them out. We can make like 20 grand on each idea. Cause I I have a million ideas and they're, they all could have legs, right? Like there's always, there's a lot of ideas out there. And so I think it was really important for me, just knowing who I am as a person to really kind of hunker down and say like, what business model do I know works? And how can I get that spun up first so I can pay for other things? Because what I was trying to do was have a profitable bootstrapped agency. I was not trying to build A product or a company that was going to go raise a big round. So I wanted something that could kind of immediately create income. Um, So recruiting is kind of the most uh, it was the most obvious place for me to start because I had been in that space. People get it; like the margins are really good, and like companies are used to seeing that model and they know it really well. And I and I already had built a name for myself in that space, so it was pretty easy for me to get some kind of quick clients. Again, what I did. When I started that, I really just started taking some side recruiting work. I was like, you know, working in an organization, people came to me and they were like, hey, are you still recruiting? We need help finding a director of sales. Can you help? So I was really lucky in that that kind of like opportunity already was presenting itself and I just kind of had to follow the thread. Um, But what I'll say is if you're starting something out, like one If you have a really big and bold idea, decide, do you want to raise a round? Do you want to do it profitably? Do you want to do it bootstrap? Because your your plan will be different, right? If you want to go raise a big round, you need this big, bold idea. And you need to be able to prove that there's product market fit and that there's a huge market out there. Like that's your first step is like doing the research. But if you were like me and I was building an agency, I wanted to prove I could make money. Like I wanted to prove that I could have something that could start generating side hustle, good cash for me and had really good margins and like recruiting pays really well. And so I started there and then had that kind of business unit set up first, then hired recruiters, then kind of created what I would say was really like my special sauce, right? Like there's a lot of bad players in the recruiting space. And so it was really easy to like be different and people gravitated towards that pretty quickly um, Which allowed us to grow organically through word of mouth, and then it kind of just took off from there. So, again, I think like it depends on what your goals are, depends on what you're going for. But like for me, I, I just wanted to make pretty good money off of it to start.
0: Yeah, good for you. That's awesome. I mean, I think that it sounds, it, and I love that you sort of like thought about it from like starting with with what the path is going to be, right? Like whether it's funding or bootstrap, like. I think that a lot of people don't even maybe even know like what their options are there. So, I mean, obviously you had some insight into what that would look like and what was most important to you. Um, And so you talk about how you, you're like bread and butter right now is recruiting. And obviously you have a background in recruiting and myself, just like many other people out in the world right now, especially in the tech space are unemployed and looking for work. So I guess like from, from the outside in, like from the recruiter's perspective, what are some tips that you would have to give to anybody right now who is on the job search, who's looking for their next opportunity, um, and wants to like make themselves stand out and, you know, gain some traction, getting interviews with people, whether it's going through recruiters directly or like straight to companies.
1: Yeah, I love this question. And I could literally screen share with you all day and just do like, how do we how do we get you the job, right? But I think like, um, the first thing I want to say is there are jobs out there. I think right now in this market, people are freaked out and everything we're seeing on LinkedIn is about layoffs. And yes, there have been a lot of layoffs. And it definitely is a harder market than it was a year ago right now. But I own a recruiting company and we are getting paid to fill roles every single day. So like, There are jobs out there and I just want to like tell people that. Um, Second, because it is more of a, you know, last year it was a candidates market. This year it's definitely kind of pivoted to be more of a a company market in some ways is you have to stand out. You have to figure out a way how to be different and you have to, you have to leverage relationships. Um, So obviously, you know, if you don't have relationships, you have to build them. And so what we actually I have a a LinkedIn networking course that I've put out before. But like, I'm the biggest believer of like using the all filters tool on LinkedIn to find somebody who is either similar to you has some kind of background that like, will speak to them is the hiring manager, and spending all of your energy, reaching out to people at those organizations, instead of applying online. You will eventually apply, but try to get that internal referral. Try to get someone to connect with you first, because otherwise you're just a stack and a giant stack of resumes right now and you just don't stand out. So my big suggestions are look for people who went to your college, look for people who are located in your city. Again, on that all filters tool, you can look for the school Look for people who worked at past companies that you've worked at. So for me, I always look at Teach for America alumni, General Assembly alumni, even just people who took GA classes are more likely to respond to me, um, Pearson alumni, and and really kind of leverage that relationship game. Um, if you don't have any of those things, look for people who are, are just similar to you. Like I'm doing a, we're doing, I'm doing coaching with someone right now, and she just spent the last 10 months caretaking for her father who had um, dementia. And so we literally went through, we found all these companies who are aligned to her, her mission, her vision, what she's looking for. And we searched for people that had the title caretaker somewhere on their profile. And we're like, who else has been a caretaker who like will resonate with your story and who will want to help you out. Right. So you really want to find those folks. And then I always suggest like using LinkedIn to, you know, send a quick note in that like add a note feature. Um, and then you you have to follow up. Like you have to be willing to work at like a sales funnel. You have to w- reach out yeah. to, I tell people that I'm coaching like a minimum of 30 people a week. Like you gotta, you gotta work it. You gotta like set up informational interviews, try to get them to like, you know, tell you about the company and ultimately, you know, ideally send, send your resume to the hiring manager or, um, get you an internal referral.
0: Yeah. I think you mentioned something like working at like a sales pipeline. That has been something that I've been preaching and also like doing myself, which has actually been incredibly helpful. And, and like you said it a year ago, it used to be, um, a, like a job seekers market. And today it's much more of a company's and I could not agree more. It literally feels like real estate where like sometimes it's buyer's market, sometimes it's seller's market. And right now I feel like for the first time in in a while, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong because you're obviously more in tune with, with the industry than I am. But like for the first time in a long time, it's really heavily like a company's market where they have a lot more control. They have a lot more like ability to be picky. Like whereas in the past, maybe they didn't. Um, and so I love the suggestion of working at like a sales pipeline, um, uh, because that's definitely something that I've found a lot of success in, like constantly reaching out to people, keeping your pipeline warm, like, like reaching out and making person like having the messaging be personalized and you know, finding people who you can connect with on something, um, whether it's the school or the past company, like, I think that that's so smart. So for for somebody who I guess, isn't super familiar with like, what it means to work a sales job or what it means to work a sales pipeline, like what are, um, I guess, can you just explain a little bit deeper, like what exactly that means? Because I, I think it's super helpful and a really, really good tip. And I would love to just get a little bit deeper on that.
1: Yeah, I can um, send you, uh, Stephen, when he was applying, he had this like, beautiful Trello board that had like each column as he like was moving things through a funnel, right? Wow, so like the idea of a sales funnel, right? Is like you have kind of your your leads. Yeah, like you want it, like you can have different columns. And so he literally, he had been in sales and he was moving to engineering. So he had kind of his networking leads. He had his job, like application leads and like tracking with the funnel on what stage they were at. And as he like essentially would reach out to folks, he would move them into like first contact. Like this person has now responded to me like, okay, I'm going to send them this and like kind of moving them through a funnel, like truly until you would get kind of to that application and get the interview process rolling. So I think having some kind of visual that allows you to track it is important, whether that's Trello or a spreadsheet or, you know, even writing it down in, in on paper and pen, like You definitely need to think of it as like, I'm reaching out to X number of people per week of X number of people. This number is going to respond of this number. I'm trying to get them through. And you have to be also okay with not everybody responding, just like in sales, right? Like Mm -hmm. you reach out to a hundred people hoping that 20 people get back to you. And that's the same thing in recruiting. Like, I think it happens to me all the time where I get on with somebody. I'm like, well, have you reached out to folks that work at calm. They're like, yeah, I sent two notes. And I'm like, well, comm's a huge organization. Like you should be sending 20 notes, right? Like you have to be okay with reaching out to a good amount of people and knowing that like, not everybody's going to get back to you. And I think sometimes we get in our feels that like sometimes our closer friends don't help us more um, but there's actually a study that like your second degree connections are the ones that help you out the most. So like oh, those people that like maybe are a friend of a friend or maybe you're like, again, they went to college with you, but you actually never like really talked to them like those folks tend to help more. So like you kind of just can't get in your feels and you just got to like reach out to a ton of people and then just keep following up, keep pushing them through um, send follow-up notes. I mean, I know people who still send handwritten notes, do things to like be different. I think your, your, um, advertisement that you made was just like so fantastic. I had a guy who I rejected for a job who sent me a LinkedIn message. I didn't respond. He then followed up with a video of himself talking about what he would do for my organization and why he thought he was a really good fit for the job. And everything he said was so relevant and, like, so smart that I immediately, like, I took him back and I didn't disqualify him. And I said, oh, my God, I need to talk to this guy. So, like, think about the business case that you can solve and think about how you can make a difference for the organization. And remember that, like, yeah, people kind of care about your story, but really what they care about is, like, the impact you're going to make. Um, so if you can do something to really show, you know, like how you would solve their needs or how you can kind of like be a game changer in the organization, like that goes further than just like, here's my resume, here's my story, here's why I'm awesome. Like do that, but also like realize that like the people that you're talking to are really busy and they want to know that like, you're going to make an impact to their organization.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, I think everything you said is so spot on, and the visual thing is so so helpful. Trello, I didn't even think about using Trello, but that's really really smart. I've been using Notion in like a similar capacity with like colored filters on like where I'm interviewing, where I've been rejected, where I'm like applied, where no one's responded. Um, and then I will say that as a candidate in the pool right now, like just myself, it's I obviously don't want to be doing this anymore. Like I want to have a full-time job at this point, but I have to say that I'm actually very grateful to be going through the process right now in this market because it's really forced me to get creative and like to try things that are outside the box because I've been lucky enough where I'm, I'm just like a really good interviewer. And so in the past, it's been like fairly easy for me once I connect with somebody over the phone or in person to to get jobs that I'm interviewing for. And that's just not the case anymore. And so it's really, really forced me being in the market right now to try things diff- that are different and to get creative. And what you were referring to, that little commercial that I made, I was inspired by somebody else that I saw on LinkedIn who posted something similar. And I was like, wow, I could totally do this. And so I did, and I got some great response from it. I even had a random person who I'd connected with a few months ago reshare it to his network and was like impressed by it so yeah it's it's definitely a trip I think to that be is. in the market now but but finding ways to stand out and be different is is so important and and actually working like I can say for myself like it it is working another story I'll share actually is that um, with regards to connecting with people um The other day I had applied for an SDR manager role, which, you know, I had done in the past and have been out of that space for a little while. And I had connected with someone on LinkedIn who I thought was actually going to be the hiring manager. It turns out that she is, it's actually a job that's backfilling her old role. And she was super like gracious with her time and talked to me on the phone. And the next day I got a rejection from that company And I had reached back out to them saying, like, hey, I don't know if you heard, but, like, I actually spoke with this person who was previously in the role. And they immediately got back to me and they were like, well, we're going to connect with her and, like, we'll get back to you. And they ended up interviewing. And I have a third round interview now scheduled for later this week. So you just never know. Amazing. Yeah. You never know how random people are gonna be willing to help you out like we connected over the fact that we're both moms and women in tech and women in sales and uh, you just never know and yeah I think that it's it's so important to just go the extra mile right now and you know you hear people complaining about how hard it is to find a job and how it shouldn't be this difficult and you shouldn't have to like do all this extra stuff but at the end of the day, like, it is what it is. And I think just owning it and getting creative and trying to have fun with it as much as possible is so, so important and been super helpful for sure.
1: Yeah, and letting your personality shine too, right? Like, I think, like, people want to work with people that they really like. And so, like, Mm -hmm. I think getting away from, like, all the tech and, like, everything, like, I don't know. I just feel like ATS systems are so broken. And if you rely on technology and you rely on just, like, a simple resume or a simple LinkedIn, like, you're just you're not going to stand out. And the odds are that like, you're going to get auto rejected. So literally, you beat the tech. And like, that's what you kind of have to do right now. You have to like, beat the tech through personal relationships and figuring out how to like, supersede it, which it shouldn't be that way. But like, that is what it is, is like, you you have to figure out how to like, beat the technology, beat the keyword system, beat the auto rejectors, And like, the best way to do that is to talk to people. And even if you're not going to, if they're going to still reject you, at least you can get like an answer or like feedback. And that at least feels better. You're like, somebody's like, hey, we actually have a finalist in this round. Like that's why you're not moving forward. Otherwise you just kind of feel like you're like in the dark and in limbo land. And it's just like so defeating. And so like, I really recommend to people like switch away from just doing like a technology driven approach to like really doing a people centered approach.
0: Love that. Yeah, I think that's super important. So so then once you get the interview, what would you say are some, like, suggestions that you have for people who are going into actually having a conversation with someone to really maximize that opportunity?
1: Yeah, I can't tell you how um, shocked I still am at, like, how, how hard it is for people to do their narrative in a way that really aligns to the job that we're interviewing for. So, like, I think kind of the the number one thing that we see is people definitely get ranty with their story or just like long winded with it, or they're just like really like short, like here is my elevator pitch. But like, remember that, like, as you're talking, I have a checklist that I am trying to check off in order to push you forward to the next round. So like your job description is essentially your, your checklist in a lot of ways. And like, as a recruiter, I'm trained to be listening to your story and go, Okay, is this person have management experience? Okay, does this person have X? Does this person have Y? So as you're telling that story, if you can fill in those gaps for a rec- especially with a recruiter, as much as possible, like we are giving you we're giving you the script in the job description. We're saying like these are the things that we're looking for and now we just need to check a box and be like, yep, 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 yep. Um, so remember that and practice your narrative to showcase that you are the the person that they need for the job. I think that's, that's step one. Um, and then step two, again, it's all about connection. Like we have to feel like there is a connection and that there's a lot of bias with that. But like feeling like you're connecting with the interviewer and have something in common, like you mentioned, like the mom or the connection or just like people wanting to work with you. So like don't try and try to get out of your nerves and try to just be a human and try to like make that connection up front and like follow up with that connection because at the end of the day that's what people are going to remember most is like wow I just really like I don't know if she's a good fit but I just really liked her like I'm going to move her forward I just liked her right like you do that does that does still really matter um it matters at every single level and then I would say like really doing your homework on on the questions that you ask and and being mindful and using those questions as an opportunity to show not only that you've done your homework, but like but that you're smart and that you're a critical thinker and you can think strategically like I'm telling candidates right now, like ask them about their their profitability, ask them about their finances, ask them about their five year plan at like show that you care and that you are willing to ask some hard, smart questions. And that you are also making sure that you go to an organization that you believe in and that you care about and like that you are a talent that has lots of opportunities out there and that there are a lot of jobs you're talking to. And it's equally as important that you get the answers to your questions. There is a little bit of like the like we want what we can't have, I guess. I don't know, like Mm -hmm. mindset and like showing that you are a smart person that like people other people want for the job uh, still does matter.
0: Yeah, I I think that's really interesting and important. I guess as like a follow up to that, what would you say to someone who might be scared or nervous about asking those tougher questions, especially given the fact that like interviews can just be hard to come by these days?
1: Yeah, I think it's a it's a timing piece and knowing when who is the right stakeholder to ask the right questions to. So like with the recruiter, maybe the questions are more around culture and you know um why they enjoy working at the organization and how they've seen the company adapt and like kind of more high level um but then with the hiring manager like you want to show that you know your stuff like you want to show that you are smart and so i think as long as you're not coming off as defensive or combative but instead being really you know really thoughtful of where you land and that you're looking for the best organization to to tie yourself to and that you have this experience that you know has really allowed you to like do this in the past um hiring managers want top talent and they want top talent who have options and so you know again we're still seeing companies pay a good amount of money to, to hire really top, top talent. And so you have to differentiate yourself as somebody who is doing the homework, is doing the research, is vetting your options. Um, and I just think doing it in a way that like still is empathetic and kind and smart, obviously it lasted. If you feel them getting defensive and they're like, well, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't make these financial decisions. Like step back and say like, mm-hmm. Oh, you know no worries. Like, I'm just looking to make sure I'm like asking a bunch of like really smart, due diligent questions. Like all good, would love to keep moving forward. And like, you do have to like kind of judge the interpersonal game there a little yeah. bit. But I find that hiring managers uh, right now, they they know that this, this is the market that we're in. And they actually, again, are impressed when people ask really smart, hard harder hitting questions.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, So to pivot a little bit, what is something just since we're getting close to the end here, what is something that you are really excited about and looking forward to with higher people coming up in the next few months?
1: Yeah, I mean, so we hired our our head of business development just a couple months ago. And so we're like putting a lot of for like the very first time. um, And that is just exciting. It's exciting to you know, have another senior leader to help us kind of think about scale and think about growth. Um, The other thing that we launched as a pilot that we're going to be doing some more testing for is something called House of Hire People. And it's essentially uh, a way to bring leaders together so that they have access to other leaders to talk about some of the challenges that they're seeing and help them get better at recruiting, reskilling and retaining talent. And so, we did a really cool um, dinner with CEOs and founders uh, at the end of last year where they really got to talk about a lot of their pain points and a lot of the things that they're seeing in the marketplace and how they're coping as leaders and how they're thinking about things differently. So excited to do a little bit more there and have that like community education component as well. Um and then I'm just, our team is phenomenal and I am really excited for, for them to continue growing with us and for us to be able to hire hopefully some more junior sorcerers and more junior team members for them to hit the next kind of milestone in their career here at Hire People, um, just cause it's been really, really amazing to see, uh, several people who didn't have recruiting experience come into this and just really shine and now be a year in and, and feel, I feel really good about, about you know, the role that they're going to play within the organization.
0: That's awesome. Well, that's so exciting to hear all of that. And it sounds like you're really like, you found a lot of holes that you're really like filling gaps that are really important for businesses and for individuals. So it's it's really cool to see. And I'm really excited to follow along over the next few months to see how it all unfolds. Before we wrap, the last question that I want to ask you is: if you had to look back at your twenty-year-old self, you're about to graduate college. What is a piece of advice that you would give to that Katie?
1: Oh, um, a quote that like my friend and I have been saying a lot lately is: "It's not that deep." Like I think I I still do this, and um, that I I take things like I think it's so like I think it's so serious, and like if I don't. Hit this milestone, or if I don't do this thing, like I'm gonna fail. And especially in Teach for America, I was very, very hard on myself. Um, I felt the weight of the world of teaching high school students, and thought, you know, every student—I mean, they they did—they mattered a ton—and I I felt that weight so critically. But I was very, very hard on myself um, when I felt like I wasn't moving the needle or helping helping them enough. And then, same thing throughout my career, I. Definitely am somebody who um, is very driven and type A. And I get down on myself if I don't hit milestones. So lately, when things go wrong, I just have been saying, like, it's not that deep. Like, there's another one, it'll happen again. It's like, I, it's not that deep. So yeah. that, that's been my, my recent quote.
0: I love that. Yeah, it's so true. It's such a good, like, mantra whenever you're having a hard day or a hard time. Well, Katie, thank you so much. And before we jump off, if somebody wants to work with you or just wants to follow or learn more about you or Hire People, where can people find you?
1: Yeah, so HirePeople.co, it's H-I-G-H-E-R, like elevating people higher, but also we obviously hire people. Um, So HirePeople.co, for job seekers, we do a monthly free job seeker roundtable, and we have been doing some coaching as well, Um, but lots of free events, so you can see those on our website, and then for companies... You also can request more information or I am very much on LinkedIn. So Katie Stover on LinkedIn um, is always a good place as well.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Katie, for coming on. And to all the listeners out there, we will see you next week.
1: Bye.